This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Welcome to What's Up, Doc? A medical podcast brought to you by Decatur Orthopedic Center and featuring Dr. Sams, Dr. Sullivan, and Newhoff Media's Luke Hiley. Welcome back to the sixth floor of Millican Building downtown Decatur. We're back here with episode number four of What's Up, Doc? A medical podcast uh, with the fine surgeons at Decatur Orthopedic Center, Dr. Sams and Dr. Sullivan. I'm here today. Dr. Sullivan is rolling solo. Dr. Sams just got out of clinic, and um, so it's just going to be myself and Dr. Sullivan knocking this one out. Uh, Dr. Sullivan, how was your week? It was excellent, and um, Dr. Sams, Jake Sams, says hi, too. Great. He's, he's doing work right now. You'll have that. You'll have that. So first few episodes, we've kind of gone over, uh, you know, what Decatur Orthopedic Center is and what what you guys do. We've talked about um, some knees. We've talked about some hips. Um, This afternoon, I kind of want to go over more of your your non-surgical treatments, your your preventative care, um, your your possible rehab for any injuries before you uh, roll into the arena of surgery. So uh, tell me a little bit more about what you guys do at Decatur Orthopedic Center to um, possibly avoid having to go under the knife. Yes, this is actually uh, a great topic to discuss, especially if you think about, you know, the last couple episodes we've done, we've been, we might come across as just, hey, surgery, surgery, surgery. You know, that's, and the fact is that you know, we were put on this planet to to reconstruct the human body. I mean, that's why we're here. And that is the end of the road with, you know, any patient coming to our clinic. You know, by the time you come to see the orthopedic surgeon, um, you know, you're you're kind of heading that way. It's at least a discussion. But um, I think we do a disservice by not talking about all of the non-surgery treatment. And, you know, you could get into the finer details with a million different injuries and conditions and how you treat them non-surgically. But I think the, just the safest way to put it is there is non-surgery treatment in almost any condition. And it's the failure of that when you're offered um, the surgery. Um, That is something that a good orthopedic surgeon has to know how to do. Um, so, but, you know, to put it in, in broad generic terms, just for example, knee arthritis, maybe one of the most common things we see. If you come see me and nothing's been done, a standard, very uh, common approach is you get a steroid injection. We start you on anti-inflammatories. Sometimes you need, if you're, if you got st- stiffness or something like that or, or weakness, and we know that one day you'll need a surgery. Maybe you need some some rehabilitation, some physical therapy, but you know injection anti-inflammatory. Come back and see me as needed, and then I have all kinds of r- rules in my head about what constitutes failure. Um, and uh, I could go into any particular, you know, a, a shoulder. What I'm if I'm thinking it's a rotator cuff problem or knee arthritis. There are kind of rules that I have in my head about how long this should last to call it successful non-surgery treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I could bore you all day with, you know, with those, but uh, those are, I think when we get to the um, questions, people calling in and they want to know, Hey, what about rotator cuff? You know, 
I was told I have a rotator cuff tear, but he's not doing surgery. What's that all about? There are reasons behind that. That surgeon has reasoning. So um, I love all having all those discussions, but to me, uh, for me to just yap about it for, you know, unendingly right now, it's kind of boring. But yes, there is just non-surgery treatment um, all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, explain to me what an injection of, what what is it, cortisone or yeah. something? Yeah. So let's say uh, um, a uh, baseball pitcher comes in and mm-hmm. is having having issues with a rotator cuff or whatever it is in their shoulder. Yeah. Um, explain how a cortisone or whatever type of injection, how it, what the process is and then how it works yes. in, um, in relieving some of that pain. Yeah. There, so this is the, my, any of my patients who might be listening, I'm going to be saying stuff exactly what they've heard in clinic. You know, this is exactly what they hear. So I like the, you know, Dr. Sam's and I use the car analogy a lot. Um, and a, a steroid injection Basically, a steroid is an, is an anti-inflammatory. So when you have the wearing away of the cartilage, which is all arthritis, arthritis is, you have that wear away of cartilage, you produce joint fluid, the joint capsule gets kind of full of fluid and distended. There's a reaction of the soft tissue and it gets inflamed, right? So if you have an amount of arthritis that is going to, that is, um, insignificant enough that it's going to be taken care of by a a steroid injection. What you do is that goes, that fluid goes in the joint. We also mix it with a a numbing agent. So the day of your visit, you kind of walk out of there. A lot of people are like, wow, this feels great. I tell them, don't trust that too much. That numbing agent wears off. And like when you go to the dentist and can't feel your face, six hours, 12 hours a day, that numbing agent goes away, but it tells us we're in the right spot. That steroid is an anti-inflammatory, so it cools off that red, angry, inflamed tissue. It decreases that fluid production. The joint is less distended with that uh, extra joint fluid, and you just get relief. Now, I like to predict with the steroid injections, and some people come in, I can see the arthritis, but it's not very much, and I tell them, I think you're going to do great with this. Some people have such horrible arthritis that either A, I'm not even offering you a steroid injection. You need a joint replacement. Or B, I'm not too confident this is going to help. Now, that's an important thing to walk away with because sometimes people go, just do the surgery. And one of the reasons there is once you get a steroid injection, you can't have surgery, at least in my hands, you cannot have surgery for three months. You got to get kind of clear that out. So I try to predict minimal arthritis. I think you'll do great with an injection. Bad arthritis. I don't know. I think we're heading towards the operating room. I'm going to leave it to you. Now, as far as what is relief from the steroids, I don't like to give more than two a year, um, which means if you do the math, I want six months of relief. That's meaningful. Mm-hmm. If you're getting less, depending on everything you got going on, it's not like I'm not going to give you, you know, more than that a year. For example, if you're very sick and if surgery is just plain old dangerous, I even, in fact, have people that I'm giving it every few months because there are no other options. Mm -hmm. But um, I want six months of relief. When you're not getting six months of relief or when another way of putting that, when you're needing more of a couple 
more than a couple of a year, it's kind of the writings on the wall. There's something to fix here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's such a common thing. Steroids. Um, it's not the only type of injection. There are others too. Um, speaking of other types of injections, you guys do, uh, um, PRP injections at, at DOC. So the short answer, no, um, a little bit more of a politician's answer here is none of these things we're constantly looking into, you know, things that help. And there'd be another orthopedic surgeon. If he came in and sat next to me who believes in PRP injections would argue with me. I would just tell you this. I try and stay up on the literature and everything. And there is nothing out there that is so compelling that we need to be doing this, these things on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, platelet rich plasma, stem cells. They're all excellent ideas. And I think they're going to bear fruit in the long run in one way or another. But here's actually, there's a couple things that go along with it. One, not covered by insurance. So, hey, my buddy went down to St. Louis and got the stem cell. How much did he pay? $7,000 cash. How to do? It didn't do squat. Well, it didn't do squat because he had bad arthritis, right? Mm-hmm. Now, young athlete, recent surgeries, got some inflammatory process, maybe something that could be addressed with those kind of measures. Hey, yeah, that's definitely the case. So here's what happens. Andrew Luck, Colts quarterback, having a lot of difficulty with his shoulder. Um, on and off injured reserve. Uh in pain, obvious pain, missing games, goes over to Germany and gets this magic stem cell, a special kind of stem cell, no less, right? And and then he gets back on the field. And then everybody goes, whoa. And then they're in my clinic next week asking for the stem cells. It's all fair enough. We want to be pushing the edge. But here's the bottom line. A couple things about that. Andrew Luck. Retires at the age of 29. Did not fix his shoulder. And uh, the other thing is Andrew Luck, supreme, like otherworldly level physical specimen athlete. That's what these pro uh, athletes are all about, right? Adrian Peterson um, blows out his ACL at the end of one season. Nine months later, has an MVP level, almost 2,000 yards. I think he did have 2,000 yards. Right after an ACL, right? These guys, squads of nutritionists, hyperbaric oxygen, IV meds, athletic trainers, dedicated sports orthopedic surgeons, like studying them, like weekly MRIs, just, you know, stuff that is not realistic to the average human being. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting off on a little tangent there about that. But my point here is there's a lot of stuff coming out. We will do the gold standard stuff that is reasonable. Um, you know, I'd like to, uh, this would be a good thing for Dr. Sams to address too, because he's got great thoughts about it too. But right now it's just not so proven in the literature. It's not so compelling and it's crazy expensive and it's not um, uh, covered by insurance. And we are not Andrew Luck and Adrian Peterson, you know. Uh, so there's, um, if I may talk for a minute um, about the other types of injections yep. too. There's one other, sorry, I forgot to mention this. So I hope I made my point there about 
platelet-rich plasma and stem cells. So real quick before we change subjects, what what needs to what needs to happen in the future for you, you know, for PRP to become is it is it not approved by the FDA currently no, or there's there's approvals for certain uses. Um, what needs to happen is there has to be very compelling literature, science, um, which there is that some guy would get on here and say, well, there is, you know, right. Well, it's not across the board and that would have to be compelling for the people we see, Mm -hmm. you know, which is somebody who's middle-aged with arthritis. If it is covered by insurance and I'm not telling them I can do this, but it's going to cost you 6,000 bucks, you know, and I don't know if it's going to work. It's got to be like, it's going to work. Right. I'm, I'm very confident that this is going to yep. work and it's got to be not kill your uh, pocketbook. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like for example, steroids, they're cheap. You have minimal arthritis. And I know that there is an excellent chance it's going to do very well for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that about these, these other things. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact, I'm not going to say that I hang everything on the science. You know, um, it'd have to be so accessible and readily used that I begin to form my own opinion too, Mm -hmm. where I see it. You know, you put aside the science papers and I say, these are, this is working for my patients. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I don't need the science to, I don't have to have that. Right. Um, The one other thing, gel one, right? This is a um, good topic to cover. People come to the clinic and they say, hey, what about, you got that rooster comb? You got that chicken fat? I had a guy the other day ask for the chicken lips, (laughs) which it's funny to like see how the marketing has said this one little word and people latch onto it. So what they're talking about, ready for the big word? Visco supplementation. So the car analogy, steroids are a coolant. Visco supplementation is a lubricant. So you got the radiator fluid and the motor oil. So visco supplementation, there's a whole bunch out there. You'll read about them. Gel one, orthovisc, synvisc three, synvisc five. They're all these things, they're all the same darn thing. And the, the, the main ingredient here is hyaluronic acid. Now that's where the rooster comb thing comes in. Hyaluronic acid, it's a component of collagen. It's the same type of collagen you'll find in these rooster combs, which I've never felt one of these. You ever felt one of those? Dances? No, I have not. I guess there's kind of squish, <laughs> squishy and whatever, but that's the same substance. So people are asking for the rooster comb, but here's what's happened with that. We did, they used to be covered by insurance and they were very expensive. Well, as more and more science came out, it came to be realized that the results were not very reliable. And that's important because you compare it to steroids. Those are reliable. Mm -hmm. And steroids are cheap. This gel one stuff, uh, the visco supplementation, orthovisc, synvisc, is not cheap. And now it is becoming, um, it's getting to the point where insurances aren't covering it. So, I have people who it has done well from them back when their insurance covered it. And I say, your insurance doesn't cover it anymore. And they're like, I'll pay cash. Mm -hmm. I go, okay. 
it's darn expensive. And they go, okay. And there's a few other tricks we have to, to make it happen financially. But the bottom line there is, it, and I, I agree, it's not super reproducible and reliable. Um, there are some people who have had it and swear by it. Um, it's just now a matter of it's not being covered and the science is not really backing it up so much. I will make it happen for the people who insist upon it. And, you know, and if it's a financial issue, we, we do what we can to work around it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm using, I'm even using some brand names and these are brands that I very much trust and, and the companies I very much admire. Um, but you know, if something doesn't work and something's not covered by insurance, I'm going to say it here. Mm -hmm. Is it an, is it an injectable? Is it basically yes. an injectable lubricant? Yep. And so it's, uh, it, it goes in just like a steroid. It goes in the same place. Um, the administration is just the same. The way we go about it, you know, numbing the skin and kind of getting it into the joint is the same thing. Um, and like I said, the, the difference is the uh, big words here, mechanism of action, where the steroids decrease inflammation. This is, this purports that the hyaluronic acid improves the environment, improves the health of the cartilage, the joint fluid environment. I don't know if I believe that. I think what it is, is it's some lubricant that mm -hmm. doesn't get reabsorbed and gives you some relief, like, like a darn, gosh darn motor oil. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the, it's not reabsorbed and it's, and it's more of, has a lubricant effect. How long does it last in comparison to a steroid shot? And there's there's no saying. There's no uh, good answer to that because you remember some people with a steroid injection, some people come back a couple years later, say, hey, dude, that thing was great. Will you do it again? Yep. Then they're back a year and a half. Yep. And then we keep playing the game. And I have people who have been getting steroid injections for seven years, and they're just getting to that point where mm -hmm. it's not giving you six months. And then the writing's on the wall, like I said before. Um, so bad arthritis, I'm always surprised. Sometimes bad arthritis, people come back a year later and want another one. I go, oh, wow, all right, let's, that's good, let's do mm -hmm. it. Um, and then all over the place, I would say this. I agree that the, the visco supplementation, the lubricant stuff I was talking about, it is less predictable. It is all over the place. Somebody with not very much arthritis, and it does nothing. I've had people say it's worse. Some people with really bad arthritis, they get that that um, visco and did great. Mm -hmm. To the point where it surprises me. To the point where like, hey, you didn't get relief from your steroid injection. We were just trying everything. And lo and behold, um, so it's all over the place. And there's no short answer as to how long it lasts. I want six months. Even prior to even prior to um, injectables or or anything of that nature, are there things somebody um, somebody starts to have some knee pain at home? Are there are there exercises or things that either they can do at home or even that you guys might do in the office and the physical therapy side of things? To um, I'm guessing with arthritis. It doesn't really matter as far as you, I don't think you can improve arthritis. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good way to put it. It's not, you know, slam dunk, 100% correct, but it's a good way to put it. Wear and tear of the cartilage 
I tell people arthritis goes in one direction. Uh, trying to reverse ar- arthritis is the rough equivalent of asking to get younger. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening, right. right? Now, there are things like, for example, um, people come to me with shoulder pain. And early on, if it's not an obvious situation, um, if it's not an obvious situation, I'm trying to tease out if this is what we call shoulder impingement, basically an inflamed, angry, crowded shoulder, or a rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. And I could bore you to death with how you tease that out, but but the bottom line there is you start the non-surgery treatment for that, you get an injection, you start anti-inflammatories, that is a physical therapy thing. And physical therapy, which our therapists at DOC, Faith and, and her all of her team, they're the best. And that is the thing with shoulders, that'll keep you out of the operating room. Mm-hmm. That will you can rehabilitate your shoulder to the extent that you Avoid a surgery. Right. Now, um, knee, you know, sports injuries with the knee, there are some things that could be, you know, some rehab can keep you out of the operating room. Like, for example, ACLs, ACL tears in people who are not high-level ath- high athletes. I kind of tell people, you don't, as much as I like to operate, you don't have to get an ACL. I always talk about John Elway. Four years, last four years of his career, no ACL, knee brace, two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. right? Now, who knows what, what the condition right. of his knee now. Yeah. But uh, but whatever the case, there are certain conditions where, yeah, physical therapy anything for you. There are certain conditions that absolutely physical therapy must be done. Um, but you were asking, back to your kind of one of your main points there, things we can do, we can all, you know, you're young, you got arthritis, you got knee pain getting your first injection and you got too much weight on you. That's just a, this is a America. This is an America thing. Mm-hmm. We can all get more lean. That's just in that there's improvement. And when the, when you do the things to get lean, like you start hydrating, you eat smaller portions, you exercise more, those naturally can lead to decreased joint pain. So that's obvious. And then, I mean, it, it starts to become very obvious. Every cigarette counts. Chewing tobacco is bad for you. Booze, you know, anything in moderation. So, you know, people drink too much, people smoke too much, people eat too much. Those are things where you're getting further along in life and you're, you know, you're not 20 or 30 anymore and you can engage in those behaviors and feel great the next morning. (laughs) Things start to take their toll. So that is a message that I have with everybody is those are things, you know, besides the non-op treatment that we prescribe, there's the healthy living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the non-surgery treatment can kind of tell you whether or not you might end up needing an operation. Expound on that a little bit more for me. Yes. So this is this is a huge part of what we do. You know, diagnosis is absolutely everything. So I'll just paint a picture for you. Somebody comes to me with hip pain and there's instantly like three questions I ask that start to get me in to a ballpark. And it turns out that they got pain in their butt and pain running down their leg and they do have back pain. Right. And I say, that's your low back. That starts to become obvious, but they kind of got some x-ray arthritis and they got groin pain. So I send them off for an injection in their hip joint. And I tell people, 
it's very important you tell me what does what for you. So as you go down the line, it turns out the physical therapy and the anti-inflammatories did great for that pain that was in my back and my butt and going down my leg. I still got the groin pain. The injection didn't help. Then I go, bingo. We have a treatable back problem without surgery and a hip problem that I now know needs surgery. Now, if you don't go through those steps of like trying to figure out what, where it's coming from, if you just kind of go, oh yeah, you got some x-ray arthritis, then you missed a back problem. So this is the art. And diagnosis being everything, as we treat, we figure out what is the main cause of your problems. Hey, and we're human beings too. And the older you get, the more stuff you have going on. And I tell people, hey, I know you're coming to me. You want me to boom, do your hip replacement and fix you. But you got more than one problem here. To use the shoulder example again too, um, you get the steroid injection, the anti-inflammatories, physical therapy. I have people see me a month after that first, after the injection. They're, they come in and they go, thanks, dude. Feels awesome. I go, cool. Or they go, this sucks. I'm, I'm miserable. I have, and then I, I clue in the things like, I have pain at night. That's a rotator cuff there. Mm-hmm. Boom, MRI. Boom. You should know when you're getting MRI. I'm thinking about the operating, boom, MRI comes back, there's a rotator cuff, boom, you're in the operating room. Mm -hmm. So you see what I'm saying? It's like um, you have to be teasing things out. You have to get more and more. You have to learn every day. You have to become more expert every day at what's causing these problems. And I I don't have so much pride to think that I know all of it as much of the bad problems that I see with joints. I still learn stuff mm-hmm. uh, of like, wow, that condition right there came in today. I looked up the article. I learned something, you know? Yep. So diagnosis is everything. You get the wrong diagnosis. You do the wrong surgery. That's nobody's happy. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, the patient's not happy. When the patient's not happy, you and your staff are not going to be happy. Right. You know? So diagnosis is everything. So speaking of that, how how would you label yourselves at, at Decatur Orthopedic Center? Are you more on the aggressive side or the conservative side when it comes to non-operative care or surgery? Yeah, and I'd like to say that I'm 100% conservative and 100% aggressive. Mm-hmm. As weird as that sounds, and here's what I mean by that. Um, you should, you, you have to be conservative. You have to try everything short of surgery. And then there's this funny word when you're talking about medicine and surgery, aggression. People like, it's kind of a little bit creepy. A little heavy. Right? Yeah, yeah, a little heavy. But in medical terms, aggression comes to mean somebody who has a low threshold for, for getting after it when it's time to get after it. Now, um, so I want to say that I try everything. But I will say this. I've spoken plenty about, you know, injections and physical therapy and anti-inflammatories you come to me first time and your hip is toast i will offer you surgery on the spot if i'm certain that nothing else is going to work and so sometimes that's a little bit of a splash of cold water when i say hey i'm dr sullivan when do you want me to do your hip and they're like some people are like what right um but some people a lot of people are like Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't want to have to, you know, I've been to three or four other guys, injections, blah, blah, blah. So 
I like to say that if there is any daylight for conservative treatment, is there stuff we could do non-surgically? Let's let's do it. Let's see if we could keep you out of the operating room. Um, then there's those cases where it's like there's nothing else, and that's very obvious. So I would say in the it's a hundred percent of each, but you know let's not BS. Doctor Sam's and I, you could call us aggressive. Mm-hmm. By that, what it means is when we see the problem that requires a surgery, we're going to do it. Now, there are guys who are more on the conservative side. There is nothing wrong with that. Kudos to them. To give you an idea, here's an example. Somebody has heart disease and diabetes and their hip is shot. And they've been to more than one orthopedic surgeon who said, no, you're, you're kind of too sick for it. But the story is, I can't get out of bed. I can't get out of a chair. I've had people literally say, I'd rather die than live like this. Mm-hmm. Those are those cases, right? So that's all put, painting a very dramatic scenario. But that's where that surgeon is not wrong to say, I don't want to take that risk. I would never ask anybody to take risk that they don't want to. But that doesn't mean that I won't take risk. So there are certainly scenarios where other people have said no, and you got to walk that tightrope uh, as long as the patient understands, hey, this is more dangerous. This is because you have A, B, C, and D, we're taking more risk. If you understand that, and it's my job to paint that picture. This is what can go wrong because of this. Mm-hmm. This is what could go wrong. I'll let them know, but this is a long-winded answer for yeah. saying we are aggressive. Yeah. We'll take the risk when we need to. You know, when you're in, in residency, that the nature of a big academic program is all of the bad stuff around and the specialists are supposed to be there to do it. So when you're a resident, you see the worst stuff every day, day in, day out. And then we all get out of training and then, you know, I don't know, people kind of then don't want to do those things. That is why I'm on this planet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to do those. Dr. Sam's enjoys challenging surgeries and, Fixing people who need it, sometimes in the face of, you know, some challenges. Mm-hmm. What are the reasons for surgeons, specifically, what are the reasons for surgeons turning down those surgeries? Is it the the risk of literally dying on the table? Is it the risk of, quote, unquote, wasting a, a knee on somebody who isn't going to use it the right way? What, what are the reasons yes, that? Yes. So there are, and to, to the more conservative guys credit, they have science to back them up, you know? So the obvious stuff is like, if you've had strokes, heart attacks and blood clots, um, you're, you're at risk for the worst stuff happening for, for dying, um, for, you know, I think that by the time you get somebody prepared for surgery, it shouldn't be an issue of, you know, they're so sick, they're dying on the table. You know, there are hip fractures, you know, that come into the emergency room. Their trauma is where that stuff is more on, on board. But I'll tell you what it's more like. This is to paint a picture. The obesity is the perfect way to describe this is a lot of science comes out, says BMI 40, cut off, no surgery. That became very popular. And what that is, is, so it's it's quite amazing to me that somebody has been to four orthopedic surgeons, been told their BMI is too high, 
And then they come to me and nobody has told me why that's an issue. They think, they leave the orthopedic surgeon thinking, that guy just didn't want a tough day in the operating room. That guy is afraid that he's going to put a knee in that I'm going to pound on too hard because of my weight and it's going to fall apart. Those are not the issues with Dr. Sams and I. We like tough surgeries. We're confident we could put something in that is built for speed that can take any beating. The problem is infection Mm -hmm. with BMI. Now, infection can be a life and limb threatening issue, an infected joint replacement. I could talk for hours about how that is a problem, but just suffice it to say right here that it's a bad problem and it can get way out of hand. As a revision surgeon, I see lots of those and I take care of lots of them. And, you know, it's a, it can be a very challenging thing. Now, that, that science that all these orthopedic surgeons say, as that number, that BMI number goes up, infection risk goes up. Absolutely true. Now, you look at the science from a different direction, and it's like this. If there's a 1% chance, which is like a scientific way of saying it ain't going to happen, mm-hmm. of getting an infection after a joint replacement, maybe your elevated BMI puts you at 3%, right? Look at it a different way. 97% chance things are going to be okay with regard to infection. So add that to the idea of, I can't get out of a chair. I am in horrible pain. Yeah, how are they supposed to get their BMI under 40 yeah. if they can't get out of bed? Right, and then, you know, I, the, the fact is, too, you can do it with diet alone, but that is a massive change in education and lifestyle, which, which you should you mm-hmm. should engage in those activities. You should be for, if for no other reason, then after you get your joint replacements, you got to live better, right? But how about um, gastric bypass surgery? I've had some massive success with somebody losing 150 pounds. But the fact is that takes a year and then your body is devastated, um, you know, labs and your white blood cells and your protein and you basically have to not only lose the 150 pounds over a year, then you got to find your balance, your center again. That takes a long time. And people are, they come to me at the end of it. So um, again, it's the whole risk thing. It's not, it's not an easy answer. And it's in Dr. Sams and I run the risk of looking like cowboys by going, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when three other guys have said no. But we're looking at things from a different perspective. This 1% versus 3%, ah, are we going to make broad sweeping rules based on those small margins? To me, the answer is no. That's not proper patient care. Yeah, um, I mean, you can label that as a three times higher chance or you yes. can still label it as a 97% chance that nothing's going to go wrong. Right. And, you know, the, the guys who say no, they're not wrong. There is science backing them up. They are nervous about putting somebody in that situation. That is good. They're, it's noble to, to be like that. But we've the field as a whole has been trained to go like, oh, cut off. There's mm-hmm. our cutoff. You're over it. Um, and that, you, that started out, um, you asked the question of like, what are those, what are those things that, that people are not willing to take a risk? That's just. That's just the obesity thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's similar stories about 
diabetes, about blood clots, about, you know, um, and then there's social issues too. There's um, people's insurance. I, I hate to even bring this up because it's kind of creepy, but, you know, somebody might not be getting taken care of because their insurance or maybe they have some mental illness and um, the, the previous people they've seen um, are nervous about those kind mm -hmm. of things. Uh, you just gotta, you gotta know when to take risk and you gotta know when to be aggressive. I, I hate to even use the word aggressive to the people who go, whoa, did he say aggressive? But understand what I mean by aggressive. Um, yeah. So Dr. Sams and I, we, we are willing to take risk and take care of hard situations when everything points in that direction. Good. Yeah. And I look forward to in future episodes, uh, digging into individual cases like that and hearing some, hearing some interesting stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Good. Well, Dr. Sullivan, thank you very much for coming in. Um, we'll look forward to Dr. Sam's being here next time and, uh, we'll dig more into what's going on at the Cato Orthopedic Center. Thank you very much. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Have a good day. You too. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.